The future is now. Finding the NOSO has never been easier. Subscribe to us on our new YouTube channel, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok, and bookmark the new home for No Holds Barred, The Jenny Position, Wrestling War Zone, and all your favorite NOSO podcasts at NorthSouthConnection.com. It's New Year, New NOSO, NorthSouthConnection.com. Out Connection Podcast Network. Listeners and viewers, welcome into Wrestling Warzone, Monday Night Wars podcast retrospective series. I am JT, and joining me as ever for the 102nd time here on the show is my buddy Chad. Chad, how are you? Doing good. Doing good. Ready to put an end to 1996 and start off with 1997 on our next episode. Yes. So we thought since it was our first full calendar year that we did Full on completion. We covered every major show, pay-per-view, Clash, TV for WCW and the WWF. Uh, we had a few of our fans reach out and ask, like, hey, you're going to do kind of a year in review. Um, so we thought it'd be uh, a fitting tribute to 1996 to take a few minutes and kind of eulogize it, give our thoughts, uh, because it's such a pivotal year in wrestling, North American wrestling history specifically. And we didn't even cover ECW. Uh, a lot going on there, too, obviously. But just overall wrestling, there's so much change. Uh, you know, WCW has major changes. Obviously, becomes a really big-time player. Uh, WWF has changes, you know, some for the better, some for the worse. And uh, at the very least, WWF sets a lot of groundwork for what will become their next boom period over the next couple of years. So we thought it was worthwhile to take a minute, kind of talk through that. And then, like you mentioned, Chad, two weeks' time, We'll kick off 1997 officially with the week of 1697 Raw Nitro, uh, right. two weeks from today. So, uh, anything anywhere you want to start in our year review? Anything? No, no I mean, no, 1996 is a big year in wrestling. Like you can see that. Um, we we obviously focus on WWF and WCW, but uh, as you talked about on Three Way Dance podcast, like. Big year for ECW as well, as they were really building up and about to break through with their first pay-per-view in April at Barely Legal. Um, so so kind of a I, I think I think with ECW, like their trajectory is pretty easy to see where mm-hmm. you know, like ninety-four, you had really what when ECW became ECW, like when you started the podcast, and then ninety-five had the dreamer raven stuff that was so dominant, and then ninety-six really expanded on that with a lot, like you yep. had you know, Douglas, you had Scorpio in a lot. You had uh, Sandman versus Raven was pretty prominent. So, like, of course, you can, I guess, most of all, you can hear about all of ECW every other Thursday here right. 
on North South Connection on Extreme Three Way Dance. We do that audio and video. So I, I mentioned kind of listeners and viewers. Let's just say real quick: if you're listening, we have a YouTube channel. If you're not aware, uh, you can head over to YouTube, search North South Connection. You can subscribe right now. Uh, if you're watching and you're in the car, you just want to listen or whatever, you can subscribe on any podcatcher app as well, North South Connection, or just go to NorthSouthConnection.com, which is our website that just has everything uh, posted there. So just want to throw that out before we really get rolling. Yeah, and but uh, in in Japan too, it was I would say '96 is a pretty uh, pivotal transitional year, mm-hmm. where on the All Japan side, the four pillars uh, were clearly established, like as the main guys now. Like you were a few years removed from Jumbo uh, moving out of the main event scene. 1996 is the first year that both Tawei and Kobashi win the Triple Crown. So now they're firmly established as, you know, top of the card main event guys, singles and tag. Uh, Akiyama is huge in 96. He really starts tagging with Masawa. You don't see Kobashi and Masawa tag um, much in 96. Like that tag team ends and uh, Akiyama takes Kobashi's place. Uh, so you see that elevation there. So so it's a, it's an interesting transition year that really kind of sets the stage for what All Japan will be until they split with Noah. On the New Japan side, there's there's a lot of stuff going on too. Uh, and then on the independents on in Japan for sure, you had stuff like the Michinoku Pro. Mm-hmm. Their their most famous tape by far is you know these days, which is October tenth, nineteen ninety six, yep. which has the uh, great you know multi man match that's and they're cracking into ECW by what February so yeah yeah um so then that and that these days was the big catalyst because mm-hmm. that that was given a lot of uh had a lot of I guess in the early trading community, that was a hot, you know, hot tape to take. Right. I mean, when I first started getting Japanese wrestling tapes, that was one of the ones that was always thrown out. You know, it was like Super J Cup 94, 95 these days, and then something with the All Japan Heavyweights was what you heard. Yeah. Um, it's a good starting off point. And the so King of the Death Match. <laughs> King of the Death Match is 95, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then in, I, I would just briefly mention in Mexico for CMLL, uh, El Hijo del Santo turns heel at the very end of 1996, which is very interesting because you have obviously Hogan turning heel mm-hmm. in WCW. Now you have Santo turning heel for CMLL. Um, so, so two of the most, like prominent baby faces in the world of wrestling for the past 12 years are both heels at the end of 1996. So, so it's, it's, it's a really historic year. I think, I think it's one of those years where if you look back at the history of wrestling uh, from 1980 onward, that's, that's usually when it's pretty good to like, you get enough footage and stuff. I feel like you really have a good indication of what was going on. Um, Right on a week-to-week basis, 1979 maybe. But um, but, it, but in that history, I would say 1996 is one of the more uh, important years in that mm-hmm. history from 79 to current day. Oh, for sure. Um, I mean, and you just added a great lens, like worldwide lens, but even just the two promotions we're talking oh. about, it's just like absurd change. I mean, so we tracked it, right? Yeah. We talked a little bit this our last episode, but so think about where we were on – January 1st, uh, 
96, right? That was uh, the first week of TV we covered um, on this for 1996. And, like, here's the card on Nitro. Savage versus Anderson, Regal Benoit, Sting and Luger versus the Assassins, and Hogan versus Flair. Right. And we're full on, like, Hogan, Savage, Mega Powers versus, like, traditional horsemen of Flair and Arn. You know, later that month is we have R and B Togan twice and all that stuff coming up from there. And then on Raw, we had the Raw Bowl, which was the big tag mix. And then we had Diesel versus Mabel in the main event. So it's like, yeah, you know, Diesel, Kevin Nash opens the year. You know, he's kind of doing the tweener thing to start the year, fights Mabel in that main event, still a world title contender, a Royal Rumble favorite, probably going into the Rumble match. And the end of the year, he's part of the biggest angle in wrestling history is completely revitalized WCW. Like, you know, it's night and day when you think of that, but I think the funny thing is when you look at WWF, what doesn't change is their presentation throughout the whole year. So even though by the end of the year, the, I don't hate to use the word. It's not funny that the attitude overall feel is getting a little bit more harder and a little bit more intense by the end of the year. You get the tough man matches. We're done with Milk Toast Sean. Brett comes back, but he's not the like hero baby Brett that we know. Like he's a little bit more has an edge. Austin is becoming a megastar, is an asshole heel. Taker's dark. Mankind's there. Like it's definitely a darker feeling promotion by the end of the year. But if you look at Raw in January and Raw in December, it doesn't look all that different. The graphics changed a little bit early in the year. Like in the beginning of 96, you still kind of had the 95 feeling graphics to it. But I mean, the look of the arena and everything like feels the same. We're still in the four week taping cycle that lasted the whole year. We bitched about it <laughs> every month. We bitched about it, right? We had a good live raw a lot of times. And then by that fourth raw, you want to go to bed. Um, it's just like a snoozer after snoozer. They also got hurt. So by some like bad time and injuries, uh, I think what gets overlooked a lot, like we, we covered it obviously when we did January, February, March, but Vader uh, coming at the Rumble hot and then missing three months before Mania definitely mm-hmm. hurt him. You know, that that hurt. Razor Ramon getting suspended um, into WrestleMania season. Yeah, we ended up with Piper Goldust, which was pretty good, but Razor Goldust never really gets that blow off you kind of were looking for. Um, Diesel and Razor leaving abruptly definitely hurt for sure. Uh, and then Later in the year, you know, Ahmed Johnson getting hurt was like mm-hmm. a big blow to the face side when they were really putting a lot of time and energy into setting him up. Uh, we didn't get that Sean Ahmed match at Raw. That was like being really well hyped. Farouk put him out. So we just lose like a lot of that throughout the year. I feel like a lot of times they had some momentum, either injury or just bad luck kind of took him out of it. Now it goes both ways. Steve Austin got dropped in their lap uh, completely. Um and I guess funny anecdote. So I went to go see the Jake the Snake one-man show at uh, Kowloon in Saugus, Mass. recently. And someone asked him, like, did you know Austin was going to do the 316 thing? And Jake was like, no, no, it was great that he did it. Well, I got him over. And he said he, Jake pitched the idea for a shirt. It was like t- Stone Cold's Ten Commandments or whatever. And it was like, thou shall not cover your neighbor's wife unless she's hot. Thou shall not steal unless it's something you want. And like, like it was like all this stuff that and he's like, I think that could have been an awesome shirt. And all of a sudden they never did it. But anyway, little anecdote. Um, and it's a great show. If Jake's ever local, it's worth worth the 40 bucks or whatever to go, go check them out. Um, so anyway, I think WDF just was like a, a weird year. Like they felt like they wanted to take steps to change. Um, 
And by the time they started to take those steps, WCW was just burying them. Like when it, they were kind of neck and neck more earlier in the year, Raw really stayed super complacent. I think they just assumed Nitro was a fad and they'd kind of hang for a bit and then burn off. And maybe they would have, right? If we didn't get the NWO. Maybe. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I, I don't know. With the NWO, it's tough. It's it's very tough. Um, I guess we'll talk about it. I mean, so what do you, like, overarching, like, you know, I think, I think 96 sometimes, I, I felt like going through the year, I was lower than what I thought, mm-hmm. maybe coming in, because you hear like 96 is when they start to turn things around. Right. And I think you can see some points of that. But overall, I, I would still and 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 the pay per views are kind of weird too, because there is some like all time great matches as well. Like you have the uh, Good Friends Better Enemies mm-hmm. main event, the Mind Games main event that are all timers, and then Austin versus Hart at Survivor Series. That's yeah. three, you know, four and a half star plus. And we were a little bit higher than most, I think, on the Iron Man. The Iron Man's, I mean, the Iron Man's like an aberration, whether you love it or hate it. Like, there's, there is what it is. I think for what they wanted to set out to accomplish, they did well with that. Um, I mean, there were certainly disappointing matches too, like, but, but it, uh, well, I would say. Well, you didn't even mention Sean Vader. I mean, we like Sean Vader a lot. That, you know, that's a great main event that's often kind of overlooked. I I mean, I think that's good, but I don't know. I mean, like, so Sean Vader. But you to me, it's a it, good example. You? Yeah, I mean, like, I think it's three and three quarters, four stars. Like, it's a great match, right? But Vader is like a top 20 wrestler yeah. of all time, right? Sean, you know, he's in yeah. my top 40, which may be low for some. He's number, you know, whatever, top 10. So these are two all-time guys. So I, I, there is a higher expectation. Yeah, the booking killed that match. We talked about it a lot with the multiple – restarts and stops and all that stuff and i think um just the presentation of vader really hurt him all throughout the year too with the mm-hmm. being positioned as the bully if you punch him in the mouth he cowers and all that stuff um yeah i, I think dodf's i think you have to look at their year really as like a as a reset year right it's like they clean out a lot of deadwood that's still lingering around early in the year they take a lot of guys that were mid carters they try and elevate them to the main event and then they replenish that mid card with a bunch of guys they bring in from ECW and WCW. Like all of these bodies that were hanging around so 95 by June, like there's not that many dudes left. <laughs> like Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker. I mean, besides them, like who really, and I guess like Owen, but there's like not a ton of stalwarts still hanging around the company by that point. They're all, and if they are hanging around, they've been elevated. Like Owen and Bulldog. Um, we're kind of up a level from where they were in 94, 95. And Endo Owen was in the main event in 94. But he presents a little bit more seriously in 96 than he was then. Um, and then you got guys like Vader. You got Austin. You got Goldust. You got Mankind. Farouk. Like, Pillman. Think of all the guys they brought in from either cast-offs from WCW or ECW um, to try and rebuild their card on the fly. All the guys that had been booing the company through the new generation – we're kind of gone now, like Razor and Diesel and Yoko, and those guys were fading out quickly. Um, so they really were like overhauling the company. The problem is the presentation didn't get overhauled with it. So they were trying to shoehorn a fresh set of guys into an existing format that was quickly dying. 
Yeah. I mean, they were stubborn too. Like with yeah. both of them, like you see through 96, eventually they had to latch on to Austin, right? They didn't necessarily want to or think they would. And they still haven't. I mean, they still haven't went all the way, but he's obviously like now prominent. Um, so they had to do that, and then WCW had to get behind the NWO. It's just – it's an interesting year. Like, as we go through this podcast, um, like, you know, like 99 gets so, like, maligned for the in-ring quality in a lot of ways or just, like, some of right. the Russo-ish booking. Uh-huh. Um, but I'll be interesting to think because, like – I don't know. Like, like it's one of those years where, like, at the end of the year, I feel better going into '97 than I did going into '97. Oh, for so sure. That's good. Yeah. And you see some things that were a market improvement. But if you ask me, like, you know, somebody like Cold says, "I only want to watch one year of WWF." Mm-hmm. Do you think like 1996 is a good year to watch? I mean, I would say no, that. no. Yeah. This may be highlights of a year, but if you're going to deep dive into the year, no. Yeah. Uh, which is funny because we tried to start a project, what, half a decade ago that was a deep dive into 1996. But um, <clears throat> but I think it's an interesting year, right? If you're, if you're interested in the change, yes. But if someone wants, like, a quality year, no, it's not a recommend. I think um, if you're a completionist, it, it can really hurt it. It, yeah. it, it really gets hurt because when watching the yearbook, it felt a lot more high when you were only watching like the best segment from raw, like the last raw of the year, we'd only would have, the only thing that would have made the year, but would have been that phrase. Right, well, so think about too, like minutes. we talked about it a ton throughout the season. Nitro every week, the stars are out. Like you're going to see Hogan, yeah. you're going to see Savage, you're going to see Flair, you're going to see Giant, you're going to see Luger. You're all through the show. And by the end of the year, you're going to see the NWO at least once. You're going to get Luger. You're going to get Giant. You're like you're going to get everyone out. Right. You're going to get the, the horsemen, for better or worse. You're going to get everyone by the end of the year. On Raw, we go weeks without stars sometimes. You may see Sean once a taping cycle. You may see Mankind once a taping cycle. Taker pops up maybe once every six or seven weeks. Like yeah. You're not getting the stars every week because they're stuck in this mode of what Superstars was for years. Where, okay, this week we get these four guys. This week we get these four guys. This week we get these four guys. Instead of seeing everyone. And, and don't give me like the hour constraint doesn't matter because Nitro was doing that when they only had an hour. They yeah. were still putting all the stars out. They were just using tags, six-man tags, interview segments with multiple guys. You were seeing all the big names every single week. And being live helped a lot too, right? So on Nitro, you're live, you get a new crowd, and you have every star. On Raw, you're canned. you got one crowd eating up four hours of TV, and you have maybe those stars once a night rolling in. So yeah. like that played a big difference. In the enjoyment and overall presentation of the shows, I, th- I think they're getting better at that. Um, oh, yeah, we'll see going yeah. forward. Uh, like with this Albany taping we're at now, it's three weeks, so we'll see. But this is now like they're getting better at least with like Brett and Sean. That even if and they're Sid in Austin, like you're seeing those guys every week, yeah, they're either on commentary or running in or yeah, backstage yeah. or doing something. Um, so that's an improvement for sure. I'd say that started probably like October-ish when they started doing some of those live cutting things with Austin. He's in the studio. We're going live to this. Brett's at home. Like, it seems like they started doing more of that. I would say, like, October is really a turning point for them. I think I think that 
that build for mind games. I think mind games to the end of the year is where you start to see some stuff improve, like some of those changes away from the older format, at least with trying to inject some live vibes into the show. Um, and, you know, you mentioned feeling better going into 97. Like, I agree, especially if you look at the world title picture. We covered it last week, right? We got, like, seven stars in the mix that could potentially be world champion. You don't know where they're going. Like, yeah. we said, oh, yeah, they're probably doing Taker Sid. They're probably doing Sean Brett, maybe Austin Bulldog. But, like, none of this is, like, there in front of you. Whereas, you know, a year ago, Sean's winning the Rumble. He's fighting Brett at WrestleMania. Like, that was locked in. And we were marching toward that. And that was it. Like, no, like Taker and Diesel were kind of still in the title picture, but it wasn't like this open free for all where you thought, like, no one going into Rumble 96 probably really thought Taker was going to win the title there. No one going into yeah. In Your House 6 thought Diesel was getting his title back at that show. No. It was all signs going to Brent and Sean. And that was it. And I think here, I don't think until that week we just watched December 30th, there was no hint that we're going to get Taker Sid in Mania. Like, that Mania picture is wide open at this point because Brett Sean could be happen, but it could be for the title. It could be right. not for the title, right? Right. Sid may be champion. He may not be champion. What's Stone Cold going to be doing, right? Is he going to be in the mix? Now that all of a sudden Vader is a world title contender or, or he's taking on Taker. What about Taker Mankind? That could be a t- Why can't Taker win the belt and defending against Mankind in Mania? Like, that's a hot enough feud. So, like, they're definitely – the upper card has a lot more um, – mystery around it a lot more excitement around it it's just the rest of the card is still lagging now behind yeah i mean there's still issues obviously like you have fake razor and fake diesel and marrow which we talked about but yeah so let's i mean i guess we can kind of just get into it uh well so what i don't know just like off the top of your head what would you say like survivor series would you say that was the best pay-per-view of the year yeah, I don't like. think it's particularly close. Um, no. I we had a five-star match, four and three-quarter to five, and Brett Austin, wherever you're on that, four and a half, I forget where you were. Yeah. And then Sean said, I think we were at least both at four. Um, you know, I, I think we were a little disappointed in the rest of the show, I would say, um, compared to his. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those weird shows where I think it actually, again, is hurt when you compare it to the string of pay-per-views that WCW is doing at the same point. Um, because like while the matches on the high end are better, like Austin, uh, Brad is better than any match in WCW in 1996, in my right. opinion. And then the main events better than as far as quality than, uh, most of the main events, maybe, actually, maybe not like fall brawl or, or the, uh, Hogan yeah, tag that, that, that has such a huge magnitude that right. kind of dilutes it. But but with the WCW pay per views we've seen like they're they've had such good undercards and mm-hmm. such good variety and then the main events themselves have either been so important or been good enough like I don't think we've um, that's something that's been more forgiving I would say with time that like the Hogan versus Savage main event and Havoc like yeah I mean is that Great or even yeah. good? I don't know, but I wouldn't say it was terrible. I don't think our rating reflected it. We didn't like it that much. Wasn't that the one that was like just like, well, we didn't like it. I didn't like it at all because of the lack of mesh with the build. Um, I went, I mean, I went two, you went two and a half. So, whatever. yeah, I mean, but, I don't think, I think, I think that's where like it didn't mix with Savage's darkness that remember that whole march up to it. He was presented as like he had snapped. He was crazy. He was dark. And then he's doing the Slim Jim thing. He's not. Re- he's wrestling a comedy match. Like that. That was kind of our disconnect with that match. But I, th- I, th- I think still though the the misnomer was that 
in real time, if you were listening to like Scott Keith and Meltzer, all those guys, right. like you would be like, oh, these are the worst main events that's ever happened. Yeah, yeah, no, no. I, I haven't came out of these shows saying like, oh, I wow, think, like that. Sour. I think 97, maybe there's more of that, but we'll see. Like, yeah, you I think mean, of the age in the cage and some of the other stuff. Yeah, I mean, I don't, creep in, I, don't but... uh, I don't have fond memories of that, but right. um, we could be wrong. It hasn't, it hasn't happened yet. I mean, I, I think that style in, in itself, <coughs> like in 2023 lens, mm-hmm. is more, uh, I'm more receptive to it, to where like if the heat's good and like Hogan's right. acting as a heel, like that's his role. His role's not really to be in there. Like if he's energetic enough and not just like mailing it in from a performance standpoint, like you can have a heated match and be energetic like the match versus the rock like that's not a you know athletic feast but with that crowd heat and everything else builds it up i think at yeah. the, i think at the time everyone is just so antsy to push the younger fast like in hindsight we know they all get some kind of push later so like it, you, that angst isn't there like why isn't benoit getting pushed why isn't malenko again but like it was just yeah. like less because we know it's kind of coming so I think we can appreciate more of what was going on. I think at the time, everyone's just so burnt out on like Hogan and that style. And we're like, the undercard was so fresh and different feeling that they wanted that to be, they felt like they should be rewarded with the top spots and not some of these older guys. Right. But looking back, it's like, well, whatever, like to your point, they were getting it done. And the other guy, guys like Mysterio and Eddie, and they'll get their moment later at the time though you didn't know if that was ever coming. Right. But yeah, so I'd say survivor series, and, and like you mentioned, King of the Ring, I'd say those are probably the two best shows. Um, yeah. You know, Dregs, we were a dog. Obviously, it was a mess. In Your House 6, we weren't super high on. The Rumble, I know we did not like the Rumble. Um, kind of a boring Rumble match. The, the Refrigerator main event. Uh, I don't think it's fine was good either. Yeah, no, it's time. I mean, Mind Games is really bad except the main event. Yeah. Mind Games is one of the notorious, like, pretty bad pay-per-view Except you have ECW there, which is kind of interesting, mm-hmm. but it falls off real quick. But it's also like an hour 40 long, and like 35 to 40 is like the Sean Mankind package, which helps a lot too. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't, did any Raws stand out for you? Like, obviously, the November 4th with the Pillman incident. I mean, that's probably the most yeah. infamous Raw of the year, I would say, or best row of the year i'm sure like if you look back at our numbers that's probably the, the yeah the i mean that, i think there was some decent raws that had longest matches or mm-hmm. like a good segment i i mean i did enjoy the uh build to mania um i think that was a clear point in the year where week to week wwf was better than wcw cuz right. you were getting the worst of the hogan exposure as a face um so i mean wwf in february march and april was better easy uh but after that i mean not substantially like you're looking at some of our grades i mean it's a lot of like six to five six to four you know i mean like it's not like huge but yeah they i don't know i mean i i I don't know like it depends what you think about like the november 4th uh raw but that may be the only raw i would classify as great I went seven out of ten on the night after Mania, which was Mankind's debut. Yep, I mean that was a good show. And I went seven and a half the next week. That is with Vader destroying Yoko's ankle. Yep. Um, 
I'm guessing those are probably like high water marks. Yeah. Nothing eight. Yeah, right now. Um, going yeah. too quick. King of the Ring, I get eight. But yeah. So I'm seeing. Now everything else, it looks like Raw kind of peaks at like six ish. Yeah. A couple of six and a halfs in there, but definitely not in the summer. Right. Um, yeah, I want to go down quick to that. November 4th. Yeah, November 4th, that was a nine out of 10. All right. So I'd say that's the only seven um, out of ten for the week before. That's what must the see. but I remember I was high on that because that's the Austin Brett face to face. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't wasn't as high on that one. Um I mean it was good, but not great. I would say the only thing must see on Raw, like absolute must see would be November four. Must see episode. Um all right, so we'll we'll cap off WWF is saying like, all right, let's give a couple. I mean, I, I think the stock rising is pretty obvious. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, Austin, Mankind, etc. But the big debuts and the guys that have really supplanted Pillman the, was marching there before he got the the before he they had to take him off. I mean, he was great whenever yeah. we saw him with whatever he did. Uh, I think, you know, I think Owen. And Bulldog character-wise had a good year, and then they saved the tag division late in the year. Um, but I think Owen in-ring was disappointing for most of the year until the tag team, right? We were down on some of his stuff that we were hoping for. Um, but I would at least put them in the conversation, probably. <laughs> Owen's actually somebody I'd bring up for stock following. I, um, I like him as him and Bulldog together, I feel like. like I mean, I think we're okay. I just think, like, yeah. I still say that's overinflated, where, like, I wonder, I should look it up. Like, where did they end up when we did the WWE tag? Yeah, they were probably high. I I don't think I had them that high, but I remember. I'm sure they were high. Let me see if uh, uh, GWE tag. I wonder if I could get that on something. Maybe not. But anyway, anyway, I, I, you know, I. It's tough with Owen because, again, we talked about it throughout the year. Like, the tragedy is so rough. But right. um, Actually, we had them at – me and Aaron's joint list had them at 17. Yeah. We had I them mean, above the British Bulldogs. Yeah. I, 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 I'm interested to see the whole list. I need to hit up uh, Tyler Kelly and see. Because I, I could see them being around that on the list. I just think they're, like, very fondly, you know, revered. And yeah, we yeah. ain't seen that yet. I mean, we ain't seen like a really good match. Their character work's been okay. Well, that's true. We haven't seen their their peak year, which I think is '97, with the match with Sean and Austin, and like there's some really good stuff in there. I think that we'll see. Yeah. So I guess they're probably more of an incomplete. Like we haven't really seen their best work um, as a unit. But I'm I'm trying. I mean, I think first the first half of the year for Goldust. I don't know. Would you put him on your list? Goldust is one of the more interesting ones. He's very tough because first half of the year, the main highlights on Raw, like the bat, the brawl he has with Razor, mm-hmm. and then some of the stuff with Piper, and then obviously like the Ahmed kiss. Uh, and the Undertaker. Like it's, it's, yeah. It's, that rigor mortis. It's the more memorable stuff. Yeah. Um, But I don't know. And then you get to the end of the year where like – we're, we're kind of ending on a weird note where, like, he is being heated up a little bit because he's in an IC title match at the Rumble, but the yeah. premise is basically like he's defending Marlena. He's 
proclaimed he's not gay. It's, it's, it's a little weird. It's, it's tough to judge. Like it's, it's like, all right. Like it's, if you think of like who had some of the more memorable stuff in 1996 is certainly gold us. Right. Um, and, and, uh, and, and it is edgy. Like it's, it's certainly some of that stuff we talked about. That's like building towards an edgier product, which it ends up, you know, having dividends for the company overall. But um, I mean, he was an MVP for us for, like a lot of TV and stuff early on too. Like, yeah, so I, I, I think I think January through April for sure. That I mean that warrior match is really bad. That kills him. After that, it's then he gets stuck in the Taker feud. Yeah. Um. But, but the Ahmed stuff's fine too. Like it's and then it's yeah. just after that he gets very bland. Yeah. Um. It's, he's he's a weird one. I think Vader's the weird one because he has some moments of shine too. But between the injury and the inconsistency with the way he was booked. Is odd. I mean, I, I would say like mankind, they consistently book strongly. I mean, he I, I take her too. Awesome. I think I'd put Taker in the good pile. I think he had a good year. Like, yep. yeah, the match with Brett kind of sucks, but after that, he kind of gets going a little bit. Like the Diesel match is really good. The Goldust matches kind of are what they are. The whole Mankind series is really good to great, um, and he's entertaining and different in it. This is a year that he really reinvented himself in the ring. So, um, I, I would put him in the list of like with Austin Mankind. Yeah. Um, you know, I put him on the on the good side. I thought he was good. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think uh, Taker's a good candidate as well. Uh, so now let's talk about like the the bad boys. I mean, we we wrote him. So Mark Merrow, I think, is the easiest uh, one. Like he's someone that really debuted with all the guys we talked about yeah. that have like shine, and he's the one that's fallen the worst that probably had the most potential. Um, well, he had his chances too. Like he's got pay-per-view matches with Austin. He's got TV matches with Owen Hart. He's got a million matches with Triple H, you know? So it's like, like none of those go anywhere. The one Austin match was really good at King of the Ring. And other than that, there's like not much there. And he looks like a, a bitch most of the time. Like he's, like we said, he gets hosed by Mr. Perfect right down to the end of the year he gets punched by hunter in the aisle and collapses like he just looks like a goof he, he loses every chance he gets against hunter uh for the ic title loses the gold dust to SummerSlam. like that was a big loss for him like that was a match he really should have won probably given that the tournament was kicking off yeah even like the picture that producer tim just put on the screen where he looked like ripped and was yeah. with sable like he looked cooler he looks cooler in this picture mm -hmm. than in his actual presentation. Like the right. whole wild man persona is weird. Yeah. Is um, he like a jungle guy? Is he just crazy? Like, you know, kind of. It's really, it's yeah, like yeah. a gimmick, but it's not a gimmick. Like they yeah. never flesh it out. It doesn't, it doesn't, <laughs> doesn't mean nothing. Um, and Sable's been whatever too. Like nothing. Yeah. Not much personality shown. There. Well, that's the thing too. Like this, the manager, it's a down manager. You're like, it's all about Sonny. And Cornette all year, and like Cornette feels by the end like very played. Um, you know, he's just much too much on TV throughout the year, and as good as he is in spurts, like is this Camp Cornette dominates from January through September, like it's all about them. Yeah. Um, and then Sunny was good, but she's with these slop tag teams that are just like going nowhere fast. The Idonas, the Godwins, um, the Guns, who were like the best of a bad bunch. Uh, I'd, actually, we could probably put that. I put the guns in the stock down. Like, yeah, uh, you know, I think we came in thinking, okay, this is supposed to be their year. The tag division is kind of crappy, but are they going to carry it? And they played down to the competition pretty much the whole year. Uh, they didn't really stand out. I know you like you liked Bart Solo, but um, <laughs> overall, like, I don't think they really um, 
delivered on a chance to be the team. But in defense, again, they didn't have a lot of competition. Like when every week you're fighting mm-hmm. the Godwins or the New Rockers or the Bidon, that's it. Like those are your four teams pretty much outside of like Techno Team 2000, a couple other ones that pop in and out. But for the most part, like those are your four. That's a soft division. Like that's, you know, yeah. we talked about it last week. We talked about last episode, like could the Quebecers have helped? You know, if they came here instead of WCW, maybe add a little excitement into the tag division. Um, but as is, and they don't want a Bulldog again. Furnace on the Fawn come in at the end. So they try and shake it up late. But um, so I'd put the guns. I'd put Fake Razor and Diesel. Uh, yeah. Not that their stock was ever up, but they just never got materialized into anything. They're very bad. I mean, they're they're very bad. And it's very apparent. So, And Hunter. I mean... You know, he, again, a guy that has his moments, but he's just so bland. Like, everything is so... Yeah. He's like the king of the two and a half for me. He's just... Right. Nothing's bad because he's proficient, but nothing's great because he doesn't bring it up a level. He just kind of wrestles these same methodical matches over and over. Right. Probably doesn't help that he sat with Marrow for most of the year, too. Like, we don't see a lot. Yeah. Um, perfect. You know, it's, it's, we could talk about him. Like, that hurt, too. They put a lot of time into that angle. And it seemed like they were going to pick up a big baby face on the on the top top end with perfect, yeah. and then he just vanishes like that. That hurt. I mean, they put multiple months into that storyline, like from SummerSlam until the turn at the end of October. Like they pretty much put into that. Yeah, he he's a he's an interesting one because he just bolts and is gone. <laughs> so so that's a missed. I mean, yeah. I don't know. Can't really fault him too much, but it was unfortunate. Right. Yeah. So, what would your grade be? I don't know. It's tough. Um, Feels like a C plus. I was leaning C. Um, Like I, I would say, like just thinking about overall, like with the grades, I, I feel like they kind of passed, but they're they're they passed, but you're not too enthusiastic. Like I don't. Yeah. I'm gonna give them the plus because I feel like the end's better than the beginning. Yeah. So a little, if if they're kind of even on both sides, at least like they end on a better note than they began. So I was gonna ask you that too. Like, gut feel out of ten, how did you feel on January first, ninety six for WWF versus December thirty first, ninety six? Like, yeah, I mean, I, I, you're certain. Like we said, we're, you're certainly more optimistic. Um, this is where it does get tough not to forward think and just think like in the project um because i mean at the start of the year way back when when we talked about it like both shows like the concept of nitro was still like a cool thing Mm -hmm. but neither promotion was necessarily like hot obviously uh now one is and the other one's not, but is it that much further along than it was? I, I don't know. Like at this point, like if you, if you, if, if I could transport myself back to December 31st, 1996, like I'd be like, okay, like they're showing signs, you know, but they, they need to do all this. Like we need to, we need yeah. to keep progressing this. Like where's mankind been? We ain't seen him in a few weeks. Like, you know, get him back out there since executioners out, um, <laughs> you know, like bring him back in. And uh, see if they can build some momentum. So, so I mean, I would be I would be cautiously optimistic. I think it's a good way to phrase it. I'd say like coming into '96, I would have been maybe like a four out of ten. Yeah. Some excitement for Sean and Brett, but there wasn't. And Diesel's heel, Diesel being a heel was cool. Um, but besides that, there wasn't like a ton 
of other stuff to be super excited about. Leaving, I'd probably be like six, six out of ten. Like it feels like we got some youth. We got a cool, exciting main event picture. They're behind Austin, which feels good. Um, but we haven't seen enough changes in presentation yet. So I think we'll see that in January finally, yeah. um, where they start to shake up the format of Raw and the look of Raw and how, what it's going to be. And that just goes, that works wonders for them because even though I think some of those early Raw's War shows like still aren't great, the live energetic big arena feel with the Tron and like that adds so much. And it makes you wonder like why they waited so effing long to get out of that taping cycle and put it in that setting. Cause even in 97, they tape every other week for, for most yeah. of the year. Like they yeah. don't go live every week. It's like 99, 2000. Right. So like yeah, they still have a couple years. Yep. But it's still different because it's only two weeks worth. And they tape, they tape the next night that uh, the next week, the night after. Right. So it's still like a live crowd it's just on tape but you're still getting a fresh audience you're not getting a burnt out audience you're getting the stars every week you're getting a new look so like they finally commit to that and that that works wonders for them because even though and the product is better but there's still down stuff in there it's not like they're clicking all cylinders by march right. but because the look and feel is rehashed it's cool but anyway enough about uh dodf let's talk wcw um I mean, their best pay-per-view list is a who's who. We've talked about it. I mean, you go back <laughs> to Starcade, and there's a few blips, like Hogwild and Havoc, I don't think are as high. But that is – how many pay-per-views is that? Seven? Like, that seven-month stretch, mm-hmm. you can put up against – I would put it up against any seven months. I mean, I was so high on Havoc. I gave a seven to Havoc. Yeah, um, I mean, I don't. I don't Hog think Wild. I was a seven and a half. Like that's mm-hmm. that's a great pay per view right there. You know, so go through. Just go through all your scores real quick from Bash to. Well, start. let's start a great Great American Bash too. Was yeah, Great American so, Bash. So yep. Great American Bash, I went eight out of ten. Yep. Bash of the Beach, nine out of ten. Yep. Um, the Clash was kind of whatever. Hog yep. Wild, seven and a half out of ten. Fall Brawl, eight and a half out of ten. Yep. Halloween Havoc, seven out of ten. World, World War Three, six and a half out of ten. Yeah. Starcade, eight and a half out of ten. Yeah. That's that's a crazy run. I mean, when you compare it to like maybe the best years, I mean, modern, it gets, I don't know, you might can right. name something, but you think like 2000 or some of these years that have like really strong string of pay per views, like seven in a row that are uh, at least like good. Maybe yeah. Armageddon to King of the Ring. Uh, Armageddon 2000 to King of the Ring 01 is probably your closest because Armageddon's pretty good. You know, we like that main event. Rumble's great. No Way Out's great. Mania's great. Um, <clears throat> we just did Backlash and Judgment Day and War. Like, they're very good. Um, oh, they're probably like, they're probably similar to the. You, you like Judgment Day? No, no good. I don't like Judgment Day. Is it any worse than Judgment World Day War III? I, I don't, I don't, I don't think I'd go close to a six and a half. All right. Well, but, but I mean, the rings, it's right? close. I mean, that's good though. I mean, that's a good comparison. That's what I'm, yeah. any either way. And then even Invasion SummerSlam's great. So I think that stretch is probably your like you're you're in the vicinity yeah, yeah. of one of the greatest pay per view stretches of all time. I'd probably go ahead and argue that it is the greatest. Um, I, I feel pretty good for my ranking. I think that 01 is the closest, even if you don't want to include Armageddon. But that Rumble to SummerSlam 01 is probably. The closest you get. I mean, Unforgiven's pretty good too, but SummerSlam is great, and Invasions I think 
like really really good to great so yeah um so i I think the cool thing about um wcw 96 with the pay-per-view side is you look at the beginning and their pay-per-views are so bad fucking Uh, terrible uh i mean like super bowl is very like sneaky sneaky bad three out of ten for me on super bowl yeah I, i I think for both of us with uncensored, like we didn't think it was good, but we didn't actually. Think- with that, I had that as the best of the three. Yeah, I had uncensored and, as yeah. a five, and Slambury as a four and a half. Yeah, the Slambury so like just nothing. Um, yeah. Slambury is so like nondescript. Uncensored, <laughs> you have the Doomsday Cage, which is what it is, but it does have like the great Regal. Finley match. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there is some stuff, and even the the uh, Chicago Street Fight or whatever it yeah, was, yeah. like the big brawl, uh, that gives that gives it enough like something to latch on to, even though it's really long. That, I think Super Brawl may be overlooked as one of the worst pay per views of all time. Yeah, like, think, it does not get talked about enough. Yeah, yeah. I think it's worse. I think we had it as the worst pay per view of the year. Both companies, as bad as yeah. some WWF shows were, like. I mean, it's time. I was at a five out of ten. I know you were probably like a four, four and a half, but super, like that's way superior to Super. All. I want to look at In Your House four. I had that as a two and a half. So I'd say those are yeah. the two worst. In Your House four, I say is the worst pay per view we've done since we started the podcast. Mm-hmm. Super Brawl is the worst pay per view I'd say of '96. Yeah, easily. Uh, Slambury maybe number two, just because of three hours versus I didn't. I mean, Beware of Dog is what it is. I didn't like Beware of Dog. It depends on how you. It's almost like one you guys like Yeah, um, stuff even fact. But uh, but yeah. So I mean, a very. It, I mean, it's a it's a it's a clear like recovery. Like in the beginning of the year, you had Savage versus Flair. That was doing good business. We talked about, and they were fairly entertaining matches. That feud, but they ran it so many times, and then you had the Sting Luger tag, which was interesting. Um, you had Giants progression, which that continues throughout the year, but it was so like muddled with Hogan's overexposure, which derails so much of any forward momentum they have in that first part of the year. So I can't think of a promotion that has like five months that are so poor from just a overall morality standpoint to so strong on the back half. Like this is one like with the WWF, like from the beginning to the end, you know, like obviously I'm improved, but I'm, I'm pretty close. Like right, maybe it's not that far off yeah. or five and a half or some five WCW. I don't even know. Like it's like three to nine. Like it's, it's a yeah. crazy, absolute crazy and it's manager. it's all catalyst is the NWO, but it's beyond that. Like I think the switch to two hours helped, even though at first they struggled. If you remember, we talked about that a lot. Like they didn't seem to know how to fill the time the right way, but they started to give more time to dudes like Mysterio came in, Psychosis came in, Malenko's, you know, started to get pushed more. The horsemen kind of, you know, mm-hmm. re-solidified into a group that was given a lot of time. And then the NWO antics on top of it really helped as well. So like there was a lot beyond and in the tag division. We've, we've really liked the tag division WCW yeah. for most of the year. Like a lot of those tag team matches really um, held up well. So it isn't just the NWO that, that helps, but 
a lot of the other stuff really helped too. Like, um, and just to quickly circle back on like the bad, you nailed it. It was like Hogan was way overexposed. Savage and Flair, I think we counted. Wasn't it like seven matches in like two months. Yeah, they had they have a lot. I mean, it's a, it's a ton. And they ran that into the ground. Uh, and and Hogan with the booty man, like like some of that Hogan in in February March is like some of the worst shit we watched. Like yeah. those nitros, they did the back to back six man match and all that. It's Sting yeah. and Luger were carrying those early nitros. Like you know Luger's character work uh, really really did Yeoman's work on some of those nitros. Um, I think the turning point wasn't Hall. I think the turning point was that April 29th nitro which was giant winning the world title. We love that nitro. Yeah. They had the Belfast brawl or whatever too, yep. or no, the parking lot brawl, right? The parking yep. lot brawl. Um, that plus, uh, plus giant winning the world title. That was like a great nitro. Yep. I think it was the first glacier <laughs> glacier vignette. Um, <laughs> yep. Then they did, they're ebbing and flowing through slamboree and then hall shows up and it's up from there. Um, even though we didn't like that that nitro, which is a funny secret too. Like yeah. that was like a kind of sneaky low rated nitro without hall. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I agree. I think the April 29th Nitro is easily like the a great hour television. Um, Hogan's out of the way because like the April 15th Nitro is the last Hogan appearance, and that about sent me over my edge. And um, you're just so done. So to see like the April 29th, like everything pops, um, and you get like Flair who'd been established. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it it does it. It sneakily feels like one of the more momentum changing events in wrestling history. You don't think about because you can pinpoint it to Hall, and that is there. But if you look at that April 29th Nitro, like we talked about it before, Flair is never really the man or Flair mm-hmm. after that. Like no, he's done. So that's somebody that. Had been one A one B guy in pro wrestling since 1983. That so for 13 years he ran rough shit, you know, like dominated one of the promotions or been one of the top two guys if he was there with Hogan. Uh, now he takes a back seat and he and they try and make him the guy with Hogan when the NWO starts and that goes south quick too because of the injury. Yeah. yeah, I mean he loses to this guy that's a year in, less right. than a year in. Um very ballsy. I mean like you think like Diesel winning the WWF championship when he did kind of equates to that, but yeah. I, I'd say like but he had I been mean, working for a while already. He'd been working for a while. He beat Backland um, this is more of a like torch passing that you don't really think about. Cause I mean, giant just beats flair. Like he beats him. And it was on an NBA nitro. It was like a seven o'clock nitro or whatever before the uh, NBA playoffs. So like that was crazy too. Some of that stuff. Um, yeah. I mean, I think I would say that 429 nitro along with the 11-4 raw is the two best one hour episodes of TV. We saw like there's some bigger nitros later, but I think that was like the best one hour episodes mm-hmm. that we, that we watched. Um, yeah. Obviously the Orlando taping nitros were cool, but the yeah. NWO attack was like the big one. Um, what's the other one? Giant turning right in September. Yeah, is like a big September one. 2nd yeah. is I think a great nitro. Um, 
And then I get more towards like the Bischoff turn right mm-hmm. before World War Three in November. That's like a really good yeah for me. Yeah. I think I think there's a lot where like with the Raws you saw we had some like sixes and then a couple where they jumped up to the sevens. On the Nitro end, it's a lot of sevens or seven and a halfs, and then the, you know they had. I would say I know on my end, like they had at least like five or six nights have it eight plus, which I consider like a great, great TV show. Um, so, so they had they had great shows throughout the year. I think even more important, I don't know necessarily if they had like what I classify as a bad. They had that one that I think I gave a four and a half, but from July onward, I don't know if I gave more than one or two, like below a five, five and a half, which no, is average. So, so, so they also had a pretty low floor or you know like they were they were high floor always, yeah. oh yeah high floor they were always uh yeah. very good the nwo attack was july 29 so i think that's a yeah. cool synergy that those are like three months apart to the day like giant beating flair yeah. seminal nitro outsiders attacking at mgm seminal nitro like so those are yeah that's a pretty cool synergy it's like three months of the day pretty much so <laughs> yeah um that's where i look if they had anything else on like a 29 but i don't think so yeah. um yeah, so, all right, so let's talk about it. So when you started the WCW year, probably felt like a 6 out of 10, like a little optimism, maybe 5.5. Yeah, we weren't burnt out well, yet. Well, see, I, but, well, I, I, I think, like, it was very tough at the beginning of the year because you had so much Dungeon of Doom and Hogan stuff that, like, you still could be excited that, like, all right, they're doing the stars on Nitro. And you have Hogan, or not Hogan, you have Luger, who's doing some interesting stuff. But if I was watching for the first time and watching it, like, with the detail we did, I I still say there was a lot of uh, pessimism that, like, all right, we're we're just, we're doing the same crap on a hierarchical scheme that was done before. Like, we're not... Like like going live and contending with Raw, like all right, that's you know that's like a punchy in the mouth moment, right? Like okay, cool, like you you're ready to get into the trenches now. Right. But to evolve from that, you have to do stuff beyond what was the norm because you're still like very trailing in market share. Like you look at the ratings, it's like, you know, like they're, they're, they're competing, but they're not dominating like you'll see at the end. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, I would say like, I would, I'd probably be higher on WCW than WWL at the start of 96, but I would say it's an overwhelming. No, difference. I think like a five and a half ish, like, because, the Hogan stuff wasn't beaten into the ground fully yet. Like there was some optimism with Savage and Flair. Luger was already kind of great. We liked him coming out of December. Yeah. Um, the Starcade was cool with the New Japan stuff. You know, Benoit, Malenko, like those guys were starting to show up. I don't know Blanco was there. I know Benoit and Guerrero were. Um, yeah. So you were starting to like there was some cool things in place. Um, Giant was you know heating up. So I think there were like signs that this could be fun. I think. If you asked for a grade in February, like like you'd be maybe more like a three and a half, four, because you're like, oh shit, like Hogan's taking over, him and his crony buddies. Like it felt very mm-hmm. a lot more yeah. Um, yeah. depressing. But end of year, I mean, 
I think I'm like a 10 going into 97. Wow. I mean, I like, I don't think there's anything that I'm like down on in WCW that I'd be like, oh, uh, like, I mean, maybe the tag division, but like, even that's fine. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd probably nine and a half, just only minor caveat would be, I think you could say NWO is getting a little too diluted. Right. Yeah. And the tag is not as high. As right. it has been at other portions in the air, but I mean, I don't. Again, like we'll see, but I don't know if I'll ever be a ten on a promotion going into the beginning of the year. Right. Um. Again, so I mean, maybe WWF at ninety eight, but I don't. I don't even know then because I don't think like no, they end kind of long. Yeah. Awesome. So, so it, this is this close to me. If not, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm trying to think. I don't know if I've ever been a 10 in December. Like, if you do it just based on the calendar cutoff. Like, I don't know if I've been a 10 on a promotion. Maybe, like, maybe WWF December 1986. Right. If you know, like, they're, all right, it seems like they're building towards um, Hogan. This is on, the closest. Uh, and because see. they've been fairly flawless. Nitro's hot. Starcade was great. Um, we're heading into 97 with the giant looking like he's going to be the top face. Luger's in the mix. Hogan hasn't lost really any momentum yet. The outsiders are hot. Mm-hmm. To your point, the NWO is getting a little watered down, but it doesn't feel fully like that because some of it just feels like they're using them as foot soldiers, right? So like, yeah. it doesn't feel like they're infiltrating the ranks. It just feels like they're, they're building a little bit of a roster that they can use to you know, fill out time versus anything. And they have the pay-per-view coming, which is interesting. They're hyping up that big week in January. So like, I don't know. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's 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 pretty flawless. I mean, this is a, it's, it's an all time angle. Like I still say at this point, like where we're at, like you can nitpick stuff here and there, but to just talk about like the NWO angle, like I am a 10 out of 10 on that. Like, I think it's, it's for sure held up in the first six months as one of the greatest angles in wrestling history. My and my memory tells me is we got twelve more ahead um, of it. That to me, where yeah, it dips a little, but I think it's pretty elite until Starcade. Like I think that to me is. Yeah. And then if you look back, and I, I I never blame. I'm not the guy that sits here and blames Bischoff or whoever else for not ending it because it's hard to pull the plug on something that's that successful. Right. So I get it. I get it. It it was game changing. It wasn't just a hot angle or push. I mean, it's game changing. Right. But I think a bookend story of Sting beating Hogan and the outsiders kicking him to the curb and splintering the NWO there and ending it and Sting standing tall with Luger and whoever else, like that is like the end of the story right there. Like that's where we go. But it's hard to kill that golden goose. So I'll be curious after that. But in my mind, like 97 is still hot with the NWO. Yes, they build up the ranks a little bit more. Yes, there's some more job stuff in there. But like I remember it still being hot. I just think of some of the highlights coming up, like mm-hmm. the Piper rematch, um, Uncensored with Sting coming down. Mm-hmm. It's going to be great. Crazy. Um, I love the fucking Slamboree six-man um savage and ddp that's all part of the nwo yep. uh you know bash of the beach with rodman mm-hmm. like yeah. I, I like that luger and hogan uh war games with hennig is awesome like so it's like yeah, we, we got, got a lot mm-hmm. we got a lot going on still and then and then sting you know we, we haven't seen freaking jj Dillon yet like he's a big part of all this too like he's gonna be coming soon um yeah. to be a, the voice of wcw so you know i'm excited if you can't tell i mean i'm pretty excited for 
97 Nitro. It's one of my favorite years of all time. And Raw, too. Like, I love 97 mm-hmm. Raw, too. But yeah. 97 Nitro is, like, some of my favorite all-time stuff. So I'm super pumped. Um, all right, let's quickly talk. You want to talk MVPs, LVPs before we wrap? For uh, yeah, I mean, I think the MVPs, like, it's, it's, it's interesting where, like, Hogan, I would put on both. <laughs> yeah. First, yeah. Uh, four. Face Hogan is trash. Yeah. Heel Hogan's amazing. Yeah, so so he's on both. Um, I, I I think if you give like MVPs overall, it, there's there's some interesting guys that you would think of. Like if I sit down and worldwide do like my greatest wrestler 1996 list, I think Ray is going to place very highly. Mm-hmm. Um, now he has a, he has other stuff outside of WCW which helps him, but his WCW runs like really great too. Um, yeah. Well, ECW I, his ECW stuff's great. So that when you layer that in on top, yeah, he has he has ECW he has some uh, Mexico and Japan too. So he I mean he has a great year. Um, I, I also think from like an in-ring standpoint, every time we saw Regal was good. Um, but uh, Maliko uh, too. But but I think of the main event guys, there's there's two guys that we've been consistently high about. And, one's, and, and I think both are pretty maligned um, when you think about them historically. And one's Luger, who I think has been just incredible. He's been awesome all year. Um, he has no down points. Like he's even a super brawl with that stupid tag and all that stuff. It sucks. But like overall, from a character standpoint, he felt like a big star. His work with Sting is so good. Um, where he's kind of you know being a heel behind Sting's back, but he's Sting's buddy, so he's gonna play yeah. it straight with Sting. Um, and it felt like legit. And then that story becomes earned as part of it. Like Sting finally trusts him, and uh, Luger becomes the main event star he was always destined to be. Fights the giant, you know, for the title. And then just when you think, here we go, Lex is going to sell out his buddies and go to WWF. He doesn't. He stands tall and fights at Bash of the Beach for WCW. Um, his fatal flaw is he does the same thing Sting always did. Uh, or, you know, or didn't do the same thing Sting always did. Sting always trusted him. He doesn't trust doesn't trust Sting at Fall Brawl. That ends up, you know, screwing up their friendship for a bit and putting Luger in a tough spot. But he's awesome the whole year. His squashes the last three months of 96 have been great. Mm-hmm. Racking all the big men. He was awesome in World War III. Um, so, yeah, he's – I think he's probably my MVP. Uh, yeah. And that's only because our other guy is a giant you're going to get into. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he dipped toward the end, and that's like his – and it kind of works storyline-wise because he, he took a little bit of a backseat when he joined the NWO. Um, he's great at World War Three. We liked him there too. We liked his matches even with Jarrett. But like as a week-to-week performer, he feels a little bit more pushed aside. Whereas I think Luger is more consistent. Yeah, I think I think it's time to start evaluating Giant mm-hmm. with other like rookie years you think of in wrestling. And he holds up. Um, I mean, we'll get the angle, um, which I think's a, a great one too. But uh the one thing I, I noticed with like Angle as I was going through 2000 stuff a couple of years ago was that uh, they really protected Angle in the matches. Like he didn't really go long uh, very often. Um, and in in the first power of 2000, by the end of 2000, he is with when he wins the belt from Rock. But um, it, it's it's an interesting kind of development. But like Giant, like I mean they put a lot on him like they give him the title mm-hmm. they, you know they make him the big turn for the nwo now they're making him kind of the first defection from the nwo at the end of the year so so they put a lot 
behind him capital wise. And it's so funny that like somebody you think is so historically book poorly that we'll get to is, is, is book so strongly, but also delivers like he mm-hmm. really delivers like his, he works like a giant. He's nasty. He shows off his athleticism when he needs to personality wise. He does just enough. Like, like he, he's been great. Like his he, only bad match is really Hogan at Super Brawl. Yep. Um, beyond that, he's, Aces like the flare stuff we really liked. Uh, the Sting and Luger back to back matches in May and June were really good. Right. Yeah. Um, like we talked about, we we really liked the stuff with Jarrett, like that held up. Mm-hmm. Even his match at Hogan and Hog Wild is like fine, like he's good mm-hmm. in it. Um, mm-hmm. the Savage match is good, and then uh, who's he fighting at uh, Starcade? We like that too. Oh, Luger, that was Luger. really good too. Yeah, and he's yeah. awesome. Yeah. World Great. War III. that's a really good match. Yeah, yeah, he's awesome. World War Three, so like he's. He has an awesome year. Like Luger, yeah. Giant, 1-1-B. I can throw out a, a number three. Well, we have Hogan. Here's another guy, Roddy Piper, who I never would have thought, yeah. um, you know, I'd be like this high on. And I want to give him a whole year pump because he was really good in the WF too when he steps in for Razor yeah. uh, as commissioner and then fights uh, Goldust. Like he really saves that from floundering. And then he's tremendous on the night he arrives at Halloween Havoc until this last night trail. Uh, all the promos, he doesn't get into crazy, bizarre power too often. Um, the match of Hogan is really, really good. The Bischoff reveal is awesome. Uh, he's been consistently fantastic mm-hmm. through all this. And I know it's coming. <laughs> yeah. I know dorky, like, not funny, forced, weird Piper is coming. But yep. I want to think he's at least cool until Slambury. After that, we'll see. But uh, Alcatraz may have. <laughs> Yeah, I know, but even that was like built fine because <laughs> you know we get the title in the mix. We'll I, just, I, I just love Slamboree so much that I just, I just want to believe it's until then. Man, you get the tryout too. So oh he, god, that's right. He, yeah, he has some stakes. <laughs> uh, I mean, Hall and Nash. We didn't mention them like individually, but like they're a big part of it too. Like they're they're interesting because like they kind of. I mean, they're they're emphasized, but they're not in some ways. Like like going into Starcade, we talked about it with the Faces of Fear match, but like they've delivered in Ring Two. Like that Faces of Fear match was good. Yeah, um, yeah. So so I think that's one of the ones where like they get very highly touted as a tag team, and it is one of the ones where it's like, well, you look at it, like they didn't have that many tag team matches together, like which they don't. But this actual stretch is their best stretch together. So this is kind of what we were talking about with the Bulldog. Owen. Say, yeah, put him against Bulldog and Owen. Yeah. They have this next year yeah. in this stretch, then it's like, all right, like they at least have yeah. that great stretch. So we'll see. Yeah, and it's not just he, like you said, like they've been good in the ring telling the story as well. The Steiners mm-hmm. match, the Luger and Sting match, like they've had. Oh, actually, they didn't fought the Steiners. The Luger and Sting is what I was thinking of. It. Luger and Sting, Wild. Yeah. yeah, that was really good. Harlem, I mean, I like the Harlem Heat match. It's good enough. Yeah. All right, so let's talk stock down. Um, you know, we talked first half Hogan. Yeah, I'm gonna put the Horsemen out there. Like I like them in the beginning of the year with like the the table and the candelabra and the fruit and all that stuff i think that's fun i think i like mongo's turn i think that's well done um but this back end of the horseman with all the woman benoit sullivan stuff you know i i don't think it's been arn like arn's been shaky we talked about weird jerry seinfeld flair uh where he's just like shows up and cracks jokes instead of yeah. being involved um you know pillman was good early in the year but benoit's being dragged down you know deborah's been good so uh, maybe more of a middle ground for the horsemen year, you know, bell to bell, but I don't know. Like, I feel like they should be major players against the NWO, and instead they're infighting the whole time. 
Yeah, I, they've been interesting. Um, Flair overall is an interesting person to evaluate for the year, and Benoit too. Like I think worldwide, you could also see Benoit like bell to bell being someone you'd put mm-hmm. up as like one of the best wrestlers of the year. But I mean, between the angle and just what we've seen strictly in WCW, it's it's a little, it's pretty rough. Uh, just from a, a, a you know whatever. Oh, yeah. real life situation. Um, that yeah, they're they're tough. Um, beyond them, I don't know. There's not a lot. Booty man. <laughs> I mean, you can lump in like Sullivan, you know, whatever. Yeah. Dungeon of Doom, and yeah. um, I mean, I don't know if you want to nitpick. I think Harlem Heat was overrated a bit. Like they have a little bit more boring stuff than great stuff throughout the year. Um, they're kind of one of my least favorite teams a lot of times when that when that tag division heats up. Mm-hmm. So I mean, again, maybe not like bad, but more a little bit disappointing. Mm-hmm. Bell to bell for them. I mean, again, I'm kind of nitpicking a little bit. Like there's just a lot of good stuff. It's just when the bad that was bad, it was just really bad. It was just, it was Hogan. Like I mean, that's yeah. like I think we can't overstate how bad Hogan was. Those four like three three or four months. Like is this really bad so right i think savage had pockets of bad too um he was always more authentic than hogan throughout but there's times where he kind of gets dragged down with him a little bit right um but yeah i mean i don't know you liked it ten ten bubba i guess um (laughs) yeah i don't i mean flair post april i guess we kind of talked horseman but you know he's hurt so it's hard to really bang him too much um yeah yeah, I, I, Flair to me is tough because uh, I mean, up to that point, he's probably like one of the MVPs. So. DDP, we've kind of liked on and off mostly. Yeah, DDP is I think interesting. He's someone that I like looking back in night at the end of '96. I'd be very interested to see how he progresses. So. Me, Regal, could have seen more out of him. Not a lot. Just kind of yeah. he's good when he's on, but he's not on a lot. Yeah, I think uh, maybe Bischoff in the booth. Like he's great as a heel. The turn helped, but I think there were a lot of nitros where he was like super annoying and grating. Um, yeah, getting him out of the booth was very good. Yeah. Um, oh, it's put Tony yeah. on the good side. Tony's awesome on mm-hmm. Nitro. Like he, Bobby on, yeah, uh, Bobby down, uh, Tony up for sure. I think Tony carries a lot of that storyline week to week. Uh, he's so good at threading the matches together with the stories throughout the yeah. night. Um, yeah, someone who watched all of ECW, you know, I know Joey Styles isn't a favorite of many people. I like him, but I would put Tony above him easily in '96 um, as a top play-by-play guy. Yeah, going on. Um, Oh, I guess too. We didn't talk about on the on the WF side down like Jr. Like all that shit. We talked about Razor and Diesel, but all that. Well, Lawler. Uh, it's a pretty yeah. rough year for Lawler, I would say. Yeah. Entering in as commentary. A God, we didn't even talk about Warrior really. Like that whole thing yeah. was like a blip. Yeah, it's been two yeah. years in real time since he. I know. <laughs> well, I think that that's a pretty good picture of where we're at what we thought about 96 um you know if anyone has any specific questions if you hadn't listened all the way through if you're new if you want any questions about like oh what'd you think of this match or that show let us know we yeah. can share a grade or any thoughts with you um let me talk about we're super looking forward to 97 um you know i know the rumbles kind of sh- well i like the rumble match itself so we'll see how the rest of the card builds up right. but i'm excited to see how sold out holds up after watching the entire nwo build right how does yeah. that go um and, you know, we'll continue to mix some stuff in here and there. Like, we're going to – we talked about it last episode. Like, we're close to the point where every week of TV for both companies 
shit is happening. Like, there's some down stuff in Dota F in 97, but at the very least, you get some chaos. And even stuff that's not hot, like, they're throwing stuff at the wall every week. Like, we're going to see a lot of random people show up, a lot of random matches happen. Kind of crazy shit you might have forgot about, like the random ECW stuff that comes up in the summer. You know, Rob Van Dam on Raw and all this Sabu and all this random shit going on. Um, random cruiserweights popping in. Triple uh, A guy. Like, there's a lot of craziness that happens on, on WF and the WCW. Just little stuff. Like, we're going to start to see Goldberg get peppered in toward the end of the year. Like, little stuff like that, you know. Um, Jared and the Horseman, that's going to ramp up. We've been talking about that being sidelined. DDP's rise as a star. Savage's return. Um, so there's a ton of stuff to get into on both sides. And we'll be here to, to talk you through it every other Monday on our YouTube channel, video format, and all podcatcher apps, as well as uh, all social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. I want to give a shout out to producer Tim for uh, hanging out with us tonight, throwing us some images as we're talking. So thanks to him for all the help as always. Otherwise, smell the napalm. I'll talk to you in two weeks. Kicking off That time may change